0: Welcome to the Midlife Pilot Podcast. This is a podcast that is all about flying in midlife, learning to fly in midlife, and just pursuing aviation at a later stage uh, in life. My name is Chris Moran, known as the Midlife Pilot on YouTube. Uh, My co-host, Brian Siskind, is alongside uh, from the famed Music Row of Nashville. And uh, this is uh, episode number nineteen, and we're super glad you're here for this one. We uh, we're we're very excited um, to have a couple of great guests with us tonight. Rh and Ag, the co-hosts of the um, world famous opposing bases
1: uh, podcast, and
0: uh, they'll be joining us here in just a minute. How are you, Brian?
1: I'm doing great, man. Uh, this is I'm super excited about this one, and um, I'm excited to see, especially the uh, like we were talking about, kind of the. Uh, you know, when you have one group of friends, meet another group of friends, and then you kind of <laughs> see like <laughs> how that works. Uh, so I'm excited to see what goes on in the chat tonight. So just a reminder to everyone to uh, be generous with, with the questions, and uh, and we're going to make sure to get a lot of them through. We're, you're not going to hear a lot of us talking tonight um, if all goes as planned, but, um, but I'm super excited.
0: Yep. We're very glad that you're here. Uh, housekeeping items, just as a reminder, thank you so much to everyone who's been helping out with this as we've kind of got this thing off the ground. We're almost episode 20, if you can believe that. Um, thank you to all of you who have taken the time to subscribe. If you haven't done that, uh, please do. It does make a huge difference. We're finding it's wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and also we've seen, seen some great reviews, um, on, uh, Apple. We were talking about some of those earlier too, uh, before we went on the air about, um, well, who does what around here, um, maybe slightly misguided, but, uh, they, they certainly help as well. So we really appreciate that. Uh, it helps other people uh, like you find the podcast uh, that might have it be a meaningful content for them as well. Let's quit wasting time. What do you say?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, we could talk about, you know, hey, I went flying the other day, but who cares? We got opposing bases. Let's do this.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Let's welcome in uh, RH and AG, uh, the co-hosts of Opposing Bases joining us tonight. Super glad you're here. And before we even get started, I've been waiting four years to say this. What's up? ag <laughs>
2: hello everyone
0: <laughs> sorry sorry rh stole your line but i i've been waiting a long time to get that. No, you executed it very well thank you for having us on the show yeah well we're super glad to have you so um in the off chance that there's anyone in here uh that's hanging out on the podcast tonight that doesn't know uh, about opposing bases what's the backstory tell us a little bit about like how it got started what what's the what's the show about what what's the story there ag you want to get that? <laughs>
2: Uh, sure. So I, I think uh, Rh and I were sitting in the tray one night, um, on a late shift and a lot of these questions came up and it was like the same questions all the time. It was questions we had from controllers and from pilots. And, uh, we thought, man, why don't we just put out like, you know, just record like 10 little things. And it's like, these are our topics. And we'll just put the information out there. It'll be out there. We'll blast it out to the world and answer these you know, questions that we get. So we kind of started doing that. And in the first couple episodes, uh, we decided what the topics were. But then as soon as people started listening and then they asked, are asking questions, it's just self-sustaining. It It doesn't end. We don't we don't keep up with it. We're what we're, we're always usually like a month and a half behind or so on answer. And I'm trying to catch up with this stuff.
3: Yeah. So I'll add to that if I can, we're both pilots and we both started about the same time as air traffic controllers. We both have, you know, different backgrounds in flying and, you know, we were getting the daily questions, the hourly questions at work on, Hey, why'd they do that? Why'd they say that? What does that mean? Show me what this approach plate means. Because, Air traffic controllers, we get some basic pilot training on that side, but it's very basic and we were a good resource for them. So we thought we had something to offer. And like you said, the the inbox has blown up over the years and the format of the show has evolved to mostly feedback and some of the feedbacks drive the topic of the show. Really all that means is we spend a little bit more time on, on one of the questions. Hmm. So it's a lot of fun. We're having a blast. Two hundred and. 38 episodes in the can.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. So you guys, were, were you both pilots? You are both pilots before controllers?
2: Yep.
3: Yep, yep. Uh, AG was in the military. Well, just left, actually. I uh, was on hel- in helicopters at the time. And I had left the airlines uh, in the CRJ at a regional carrier when I started air traffic. So, yeah, we were both pilots before we started.
1: So do you find that um, being a pilot that is a controller versus controllers that are not pilots, do you find yourself, I don't know, um, able to quickly identify when you're flying somewhere else, you know, like can you just hear, can you sense like, this is a pilot controller versus a non-pilot controller? Ooh,
2: Hmm. that is a great (laughs) question. I don't, I've never been asked that question before. Um,
1: Stick around. It gets weirder. I don't think so.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so. I don't, I'm going to have to, when we, when we do this trip coming up, I'm going to have to try to pay attention to that and see, but no, you, I think it would be rare to catch a little hint. Every once in a while, you might catch a little hint um, where, where you're like, Oh, that's a little inside knowledge. Like that's knowledge yeah. kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, like I just wonder yeah, if you, no, no. <laughs> you don't want to be like, Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, actually, can I center? Uh, can I please actually get a pilot? Slash controller, please. <laughs>
3: yeah. No, that won't go over well.
0: <laughs> That's very cool. Very cool. Um do you find so sticking with the kind of the overarching theme of this specific show and this channel? So I think I think one of the struggles, and I've seen it a lot um just from pilot friends that I know and people in the club that I run who are learning to fly. Um there's something magic about uh, the whole the radio side of things and ATC. I think people magic and also deathly fear-inducing to a lot of people. Like I don't know what happens. I don't know why. I mean, I, I guess I kind of do. I had a little bit of an advantage that I before I started training, I, I had many, 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 many hours of uh, simulation and was using Pilot Edge a lot before I even started training, and I found for me that was a gigantic jump start when I, I get radio was second nature to me when i started uh training in the plane but i just see a lot and especially in uh folks kind of in our 40s and 50s who are starting to fly it just feels um i don't know there's something very um there's something very intimidating i think about keying up and knowing that there's all these other people hearing you and talking to you do you uh, do you find that to be the case like is it age specific do you i don't know if it's age specific thing what do you think it is that is such a people are so scared of you you don't look scary but it's it is intimidating well
3: you bring up a good point they can't see us mm. and you know stories get passed through the your training and you hear mostly negative stories a lot of people are <laughs> prone to tell the negative story so oh this one time i got yelled at or this happened to me and you know, so I think from day one in flight training, I, tra- I trained seventeen and eighteen year olds in college um, when I first became a flight instructor, they were starting their <clears throat> pilot training as freshmen in college. and they were just as intimidated as a you know midlife pilot. they mm-hmm. they were no different. As soon as you key up, everybody can hear you thinking and all those stories they heard about the nasty air traffic or all the all the bad things that could happen if you say something wrong, which, is just mythical. That's not really true. There's parts of the, the NASA where you encounter that, but it's certainly not every day. Sure. And and I think that kind of feeds into the nervousness. And until you get time on frequency and and keep doing it and getting more comfortable with hearing yourself talk and broadcasting your thoughts, it is difficult.
1: Yeah. Well, I've always said this, um, you know, people that are our age have already probably or hopefully in their life already achieved some level of expertise and something else for a sustained period of time with career or whatever and so we're just it's been a long time since we've even put ourselves willingly into a position where we're an idiot for everyone to know you know we've we've become masters of some craft over time so I think that um I think that that's part of it but I can totally see that it doesn't matter what age you are nobody you know everybody has an ego or just doesn't want to be uh, it's like it's like you want to be invisible. As I think, as a student pilot, like it's like how can I just be almost translucent? Like I'm not here. Don't mind me. Uh, is there a separate uh, channel for this? Or you know, Chris, uh, you
3: brought up a good point. I mean, your background. If you if you did that time on on a simulator program where you can hear other people speaking the language, that goes a long way. I mean, you take someone who on a discovery flight and they've never heard any of the lingo, they're going to be oh, yeah. completely further behind the curve than someone who's even a few hours, you know, five, 10 hours of listening to the, to the language will go a long way when For you start playing. Sure.
0: I'm at about 200 hours total time now, and I have I've used flight following. I won't go to the practice area without it uh, around here, just because I I'm exceptionally paranoid about other other traffic just in general. And um, I, I had one of my coolest experiences this last trip. I flew to Newport News and back last week, um, and I love it's always something unique and different. But we we got tasked from Potomac Approach with. Um, there was a, an airplane that they couldn't get a hold of. And things are a little different uh, around Potomac sectors when they can't get a hold of somebody. Now, they weren't inside the, they weren't in the ring, but I don't know where they were. I was looking for them on four Flat. I couldn't find it, But a controller asked us to see if we could get a hold of this other airplane you know, relay for him. And that was like my first experience with that. But what I'm just finding, I guess the point of that whole narrative was that, every controller I talked to uh, almost to a person has been, I mean, I haven't run into any, I've not been, not been yelled at, not been scared, not been in some of the language, like, you know, there are, there is phraseology and that stuff is important, especially in busy sectors and like keeping things. I have a lot more real, like just talking to people these days. Like that was a pretty non-standard request. And so we were just communicating like human beings, you know, for a while trying to figure that out. So it's uh You know, I think the more that you get into, the more, just like you say, the more time you get on the mic and talking to people, the kind of the easier that gets. Um, Uh,
2: Being on the on the other side of it, um, I think so much of the time where where there's where you get yelled at as a pilot, seeing it from the controller side, it's just a grumpy controller. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're not really doing anything wrong it's if it was a different controller that same scenario it never would have gone that way it wouldn't have got you wouldn't have got yelled at it's just somebody that's kind of grumpy and sometimes people are grumpy you know uh we have certain controllers that are a little more they 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 tend more to the grumpy side of things um but i think i think if you if you kept that in mind like this guy's just maybe he's just you know, he's a little bit grumpy today. He's a little yeah. off today. Um, it's not as big of a deal as we made it out to be. You know, as as I made it out to be, starting out flying, I think I was more nervous to be a controller and talk on the frequency than mm-hmm. a pilot to,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: talk on the frequency. Yep. I, was this, I don't know. If there's I this expectation. I
3: remember my, I remember my first transmission in, in the radar room, not in the tower. And I was very, very nervous. It was like being in the airplane for the first time. What do I say? And yeah. I've heard it a thousand times, a million times by then. And it's it's, it's scary to push the button. No one else can talk. And they're all <laughs> listening.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Elliot Cox is in the chat room and said uh, he got his private at 41, and the radio was the de- uh, definitely the toughest part um, of his training. I could get that. And Michael Young uh, wants to know uh, – He's curious if ATC notices more struggles on comms from new uh, PPL pilots or new IFR pilots. Hmm. Like, who struggles more—the new private or the new instrument guy? Hmm. I maybe different struggles. I mean,
2: yeah, it's different struggles. So with the day-to-day stuff, your your IFR students are going to be fine. You know, they've kind of been through it. But then when you start getting a real instrument-specific, you know um the P tax stuff, the the approach clearance. And now we're trying to fly the plane, we're turning the plane, talking, we're changing, we're doing approach stuff, you know, we're down in the FMS, whatever it is. And so there's definitely a lag. Like they'll be fine. And then at that point, you hit a big lag. And it's like buffering, buffering, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: yeah i would imagine too i would imagine for stu- um, when you guys he- either if they openly declare that they're a student pilot or you can just kind of tell that they're a student pilot i would imagine that um just like th- some sort of empathy switch turns on especially if you've already been through it yourself you know this unique you know where it's, it, it, again with this kind of pilot controller versus just a controller if you've been actually through it yourself i would imagine you you're you probably are uh, much more attenuated to student pilots, and and <laughs> kind of treating you, them how you wish you know or hoped that people would, would have treated you when you were that sort of nervous. I,
3: I think my behavior on the radio, in that sense of hearing somebody that was unsure or a little bit slower to say the things they wanted to say, I think since starting the show and hearing feedback, and I've since started flying again uh, since we started the show, it's made a huge difference in my empathy level for a student or confused pilot or just behind a little bit. And I and I do exercise more patience. I I, I am empathetic for that. And being a pilot, I think, matters in that context. And when you walk into a room and you hear a controller kind of getting angry at somebody, it's like, come on, let's back up for a second. Is this really the end of the world? Mm-hmm. Because getting upset usually slows you down as a controller as well. And it and it doesn't end well for
0: anybody. Just take a deep breath and move on. I was always bad about declaring the fact that I was a student, I would only do it if I felt I needed it or it was a get out of trouble card. Like I, I didn't <laughs> want to be the guy who was like a no, student pilot on radio. But like if I thought, oh, I I'm not where I'm supposed to be right now, I would be like, eh, hey, student pilot.
1: <laughs> student pilot on a short final, am I clear to
3: land?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you know, know, shouldn't
3: be embarrassed about mentioning it. Um, you know, certainly stop doing that once you write it, but I don't think people should be embarrassed in admitting no. that. <laughs> That's a good you point. Know? I
0: never thought about that. I should pull that out. You could do it now. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah. I never thought yeah. about that. I mean that's hey, a you great know, idea. That's the, to America you know,
1: it's a license to learn. Hey, that's what they say, right? So yeah. <laughs> hey, all of your IFR flight plans, the remark section, student pilot. Wait, what? <laughs> 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 right. Like I I've been controlling I've been uh, at this guy's home airport for, for ten years. <laughs> <laughs> the the longest training. <laughs> bearded
0: aviator wants to know, aside from the work pleasure part for you guys, since, you know, one's a job and one's not, which side of the radio do you prefer to be on? Mm. Mm.
2: That for me is a loaded question because right now for me to be on the pilot side of the radio, it requires me to be army. So (laughs) I, I, I think I would enjoy it more if that wasn't the case. Uh, but I do, like, especially lately, and we've been training a lot, and uh, it's been enjoyable at work. I've, we've had fun. Uh, we're having a good time at work. And so I think right now, if I had to pick one or the other, I would say air traffic. I'm having more fun doing that.
3: Yeah, and the Army can agree. ruin.
2: The Army really can ruin flying.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, I like being on the air traffic side as much as the pilot. I put them in the same plane. But when it comes to actually speaking on the radio, the controller side is far more fun because – you're talking to ten, fifteen airplanes sometimes versus just answering your calls. It's kind of boring when you're the pilot on the yeah. air traffic. If, if you're only looking at the air traffic portion of it from the pilot side, it's like, this is kind of boring.
0: Right. That's fair. Uh, the journey of a second generation pilot. That's a uh, YouTube name uh, said he's a Patreon supporter of opposing bases. Glad to find this show. And we're certainly, uh, Certainly glad that you're here. I think that
1: here. they also mentioned that they were about to do their check ride somewhere in the thread there. Yeah, so uh, yeah. It's cool. coming up. Good
3: luck.
0: Yeah. Next Wednesday. Yeah, good luck. That's fantastic.
1: Cool. Um, nothing to worry about. It's just everything on the line and everything you've been working for. That's really- <laughs> <laughs> no, right right. sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Mutual friend of ours who actually made the connection here for this uh, show tonight to happen, Ben Singer, uh, said, here's a question that uh, opposing bases have gotten before, but to help the newer pilots here, this, I'm sure you get this. How many times can you talk about this? I'm sure. When requesting flight following, okay, before you answer it, I, I'm gonna, I'll throw my, what I do and you tell me if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> uh, when requesting flight following, what order do you want the information to cold call or not to cold call is always the first question I get, and I always do. Just because it takes literally three seconds for me to get my tail number out there and for them to respond. If they want to respond, if you want to respond to me, if you're not too busy, it gives you a and chance to for those to who are
1: unfamiliar, cold calls, I'm raising my hand with who I am and not yeah. saying anything else.
0: Yeah, just like a tail number.
1: Yeah,
3: Yeah. I, we can go down a wormhole on that one, on that cold call. I, I think most recently when we talked about it, there's sort of – Two answers. It depends on who you're calling. If you're calling a center or a TRACON for flight following, I think the cold call, you'd find that most controllers would say they like the cold call. Delta Tower controllers that are expecting an arrival to say what they're doing and what type of airplane they are, I don't know that that's as, as necessary or as expected. They were, they're waiting for all of it.
0: That's what they're waiting for. That's very fair. Well, then you can handle the rest. What? So what? What's the what's the preferred order? What makes it easy for you in your uh, in your system?
3: <laughs> the keyboard that we type into is an ABC keyboard, and it's I don't know maybe eight inches of keys on one side that we can type letters. Is that fair? Uh, yeah. So when you start talking, uh, we can with the the help of ADSB, we can actually hit a button and see who's starting to talk to us. That helps a ton. If I only caught the last three, I can find that airplane. I start with the call sign, and then we it we have to hit the space bar. The next thing we type in is your your present position or somewhere near an airport, a three letter identifier of somewhere that you are near a VOR or an airport. And then we hit the splat button. It's the destination space again. Now we're going to the third line that we're typing here. That we cannot we can't just go move a cursor. We're we're moving
2: it with spaces. you committed. And, yeah. Once you committed. once you go, you're committed to what you've typed.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I've done call sign three letters of where you are splat, which is just a little star on our screen, just like the character on your A key on your keyboard, uh, the destination, the aircraft type space, and then the three numbered altitude. So the perfect call, they're not, there's no wrong way to do it. So don't, Don't don't feel like it has to be perfect. It helps us though in our tiny brains. If you said (laughs) after your call call, we've already typed in your call sign. Hey, November one two three over, Liberty, flight following to, Lynchburg Skyhawk fifty five hundred feet, unkey.
2: Man, I would hand out an award on frequency for that. I would hand (laughs) out an award. Perfect. So you
0: like you like you like airplane type that far at the end. I always heard it was up front.
3: Well, like, it's it's well in the in the order of lines, it's the third line of the data that we're typing okay. in out of four out of four lines. So you could say it with your call sign, and we might remember it. I have a hard time with that. Okay. But if you say it in the order I said, I'm literally typing it as you say it, and I don't have to process and think back to wait. Did he say it was a Bonanza or a Skyhawk? So my my most common response for somebody, after I've typed in the call sign, I got the destination in their present position, even if they said Cherokee one two three, I always go back because I can't remember. It was three seconds ago, right? That's way too far away. I say, hey, say, aircraft type again, and everybody that's listening is like, "What a dummy!" He he literally started with that. Yeah, but I forgot about it because I typed your call sign and all the other things. I'm, I I'm on the next line.
2: Power to
1: this other thing. Yeah. <laughs> What what about equipment? The sort of slant golf and all that. I'll let AG answer that one. for For
2: flight following, it uh, it defaults to slant uniform. Um, We don't put the type or the equipment suffix. It just defaults to slant uniform. And for the purposes of what that flight following, uh, I I don't want to say flight plan, but for that strip now that's in the system it doesn't care. Really. It doesn't care. I could put slant, nothing. I mean, no transponder, nothing. And it wouldn't really care. It's just, it is, it is purely for automation purposes, you know, in the background.
1: Um, So, okay. Yeah. So that's useless information to proffer getting flight following.
3: Yes. Yeah. And trying to that initial call. Yeah. I mean, it's, if later on down the road, someone asked, hey, can you go direct to a fix? I need to take you around some weather or something. Are you slant? You know, they're going to see slant uniform, which you wouldn't probably be able to do it. Nope, I'm slant golf. Okay. And they may make the change, but it's not necessary for us to automate and hand you
1: off to the next sector.
0: Cool. That's very good stuff.
1: I'm always looking for anything I can trim down just a little bit more. So I've got another thing. That's great. Thank you.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, let's get through some of these. So, one dog geek uh, says, "What is the most easily avoidable, I guess, avoidable avoided thing that pilots do that annoys air traffic control?"
1: Man, flying. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I have, I have one that's like
3: first thing I thought of. I, I get okay. I don't, I don't like it when it takes more than a couple seconds to get a response. For some reason, yes. it was happening Perfect. a lot yes. the other day. Perfect. So I, I, this sounds yes. really cold to say it like this, and I don't mean to be condescending to pilots, but when you're in any Tricon environment or center environment, I know there's music, and I know you want to talk to your get, your passengers, and it's flying's fun. You could be doing other things. You're not just listening to air traffic. But when you fly with someone who's experienced, you'll, the conversations kind of pause when the controller starts talking and they're expecting their call sign to be set. And as soon as they hear that, that it's not their call sign conversation continues, that probably didn't take long in your training before that started to happen, the, the newer ones or the guys that aren't paying attention. I would love a response now, not in, not in three more seconds. I need it now.
2: Yeah, we had one today and I, I was training the guy and I had to go so far as to explain like, Hey, you need to prioritize when you're going to talk to this guy because it is taking up so much time on the air that you need to you need to plan out okay I I've got this other thing to do that's time sensitive. I cannot talk to this person before I do that or or there's just this yeah. dead air there's five seconds of waiting now that guy's gone through final uh-huh. and mm-hmm. so it is a thing that is definitely a thing that was probably what I would say too.
0: I could hear it in his voice when I that, uh, that Potomac approach controller that I got handed off to when I turned when I ended up on his frequency. The very first thing I heard was him calling this other I'm not going to say but this other airplane out and said uh, when I keyed over, the first thing I heard was the last part of his teller when he goes. For the fifth time, uh, you know, he's already like, now he's saying how many times he's called. And then there's all this silence. And then we're to the like, if you hear this transmission, I dent. And I thought, I'm reading the room. I'm thinking, I'm not even checking in with this guy yet. I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to let him talk to at least one other plane before it's I like say hello. I'm, like, nah, I'm gonna let yeah. you I'm going <laughs> to let you have somebody else first because that does not sound fun.
1: Actually,
0: oh go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I was just going to say, like on the flip side, I've had recently the experience where uh the controller at Nashville, I was crossing their approach path and there's you know all kinds of stuff going on. And I just told him where I was going and wanted flight following and and he just started talking to me. I I mean he was rapid fire busy. And then all of a sudden I told him where I was going and he's he was like oh are you going over there for the cheap gas? <laughs> you know? He started, you know, well if you don't know I mean that's where it is you know like he started just, it was like in a in a flash I was just hanging out at the FBO with the controller or something. It was, and, and I, both me and my wife were kind of like, just, like, I, I don't want to, I didn't, I wanted to do nothing to perpetuate that conversation at all. I didn't want all the other, you know, United guys and Southwest guys to just be like, oh my God, the Skyhawk is now, you know, on a on a five minute tirade about gas with the controller, but he started it. Do you, do you guys ever do that? Or you get just like conversational and, and, uh, and, and just kinda of relax with it? Yeah. I mean oh, every yeah. once in a while when it's when they're when the time allows it, sure. Yeah. More
3: humans. We're more pilots, more friends, we're normal people.
1: Okay. You say you're yeah. human, but like pull pull under your chin. <laughs> And lift and let's see
0: so we're pretty lucky so everybody who wa- has watched my whole saga of learning to fly so i'm in i'm in west virginia and so i'm at a little non-towered airport in fairmont and just seven miles south is clarksburg so they're a delta with a tower and an approach and the whole thing just just north central west virginia and so it's a super close-knit group like some of the we're, I, we know a lot of the controllers there, and everybody knows each other. And so they know the story of our flying clubs and when things happen. And so we have a great recording from the other day. One of our uh, – he may be in this chat. I should, uh, one of our guys, we got a brand-new 150 in our club, well, brand-new to us. It was our third airplane in the flying club, and it had been here less than a week. And the guy took it out and was in Clarksburg doing stuff. And um, anyway, long story short, there was. Uh, there may have been something outside the plane that was – hitting the side of the plane and may have done some paint damage and everybody knew about it. So the next time that plane went down there and that pilot was flying around, uh, tower was calling them out pretty good about it to make sure these things were all inside the plane. So we got this huge recording of them getting ribbed, but it's, it is cool to like, you know, to have that kind of, it takes the edge off a little bit, especially for some of the new guys who are learning to fly to see like, these are just people like messing with you like everybody else. And it's all good.
2: I, I wish we could do it more where it wasn't so kind of faux pas, even there's on the controller side, there's controllers that are like, Oh, you can't, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, yeah. you shouldn't be having those conversations like that. I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know. I am pretty easy going on frequency. I will definitely have a conversation if it, if there's time to do it, it, right. it does not right. bother me at all.
0: Um, Mark Teresi in the chat uh, said that he found that watching YouTube videos was a huge help with comms for me. And I, I, YouTube was a huge part of my. I mean, that's been a huge part of my whole aviation journey too. I think it's, I think it is. It, that's certainly a like a generational thing. It's not just aviation. We we've talked. Brian and I have talked about this a lot. Like, if there's anything in the world that you're interested in, even as 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 niche as it is, you can. There's more content than you can ever watch about that topic. But I definitely think that's a.
1: And so we decided to make more. Yeah. Yeah. We have, we have conjoined content that we make and separate content we make in the sea of content. So
3: that's great. The more people can see and the more people can share. I mean, sometimes you see some stuff that probably shouldn't be on the internet. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) For Um, sure.
3: But if you can weed through that and try to find the things that are valuable and you're learning from. Well, I I had one
1: situation where it kind of went sideways on me a little bit where I had a, right after I got my private, um, i was just going to my local airport here in nashville to do some pattern work and i had uh, and it's a new tower they don't have radar and just a lot was still getting sorted out but i was a new pilot and so i didn't understand what a deficit perhaps they were as controllers either but i got rerouted and pushed all around and all this kind of wacky stuff and to the point where it really reminded me of the um this one incident that happened at uh, Houston, a Houston hobby with a, a Cirrus pilot that had just been kind of routed through the work so many times. And then she ended up, uh, you know, having, uh, a, 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 the worst day of her life. So, um, I had a really bad day and, and filmed all of it and I, w- I was just documenting what was going on, but I basically said, I just uh, requested to leave the pattern and get me out of here. Kind of thing. They had me doing a lot of stuff that I thought was kind of dangerous really. Um, and then I found out from my flight school later that the tower had come over to the flight school and like, who is this guy? And they were not happy, um, about, I, I didn't, I didn't like do a face forward video and be like, this is why air traffic control sucks, you know, or like I was just documenting like, this is the kind of thing that can happen, you know? Uh, and it was novel to me cause I was a new pilot, but they, they came over and they were not happy. And then my flight school people watched the video and they said, he did everything he was supposed to do. He did the right thing. So I don't know what you're, you know, sorry, you know, but it, but it made me, that was the point where I realized a lot of these guys and women, they they tower uh, controllers, they can't defend themselves sort of, you know, you're getting captured in these contexts and, and things and then perhaps portrayed uh, by people like us in a particular way. I, I did it truthfully, but I can see how, uh, even if it is truthful, if it just doesn't look good, that that can be problematic. Have you guys had a, not maybe personally, but just witnessed that kind of thing going on? uh AG <laughs> uh not so much Cool. Yeah. good
3: I, I mean i i think i i can maybe say in general if you if you're running into that and it's like ag said at the beginning you know it may be it may be late in the shift they may have had five pilots prior to you that were not doing anything they needed to do and could have mm-hmm. been heavy on training and heavy on approaches and a lot of non compliance inadvertent non compliance um, and they're frustrated yeah. and they, they want to get up. They want to walk out. They want to go on and they can't until someone gets in there and relieves them. So we're yeah. human we're human. Yeah. And you know, you're right. You're getting a tiny little snapshot. Yeah. Your 10 minute interaction is, is a big deal. That was your 10 minutes in that airspace. Mm-hmm. And for that controller, that was 10 minutes of hours on position that day in a bad day. And yeah. It maybe doesn't represent that facility so i can see why they might take issue with it but hopefully you both learn from it both
2: sides
1: absolutely absolutely um, um just to kind of touch on that
2: a little bit more uh, um there are, there are varying degrees of controllers there are good there are really good controllers there are some that are not as good and i will say that i i've seen that sometimes the controllers that aren't as confident that maybe not as as good When they start to get busy, that is their default, you know, mode. Like I'm going to kind of get angry and pretend like it's everyone else's fault. And so and it's as on the pilot side, it's almost impossible to know if that's what's happening. But, you know, stick that in the back of your brain. Like maybe that Mm -hmm. that is the scenario that's going on. It's
1: not uncommon. So, with the, the other thing, too, real quick, was just that the the tower still doesn't have radar. So, how does that work? You know, I mean, they're there with binoculars. I heard that they had four flight in there for a minute, but they were required to take it out. I guess because it's obviously not sanctioned or something. But, like, how does that work for these these kind of class Delta air, airports that really are relying on position reports and a and a prayer? Seems like half the time they I'll be on midfield downwind. And they half the time they don't know where I am or can't see me. You know.
3: Yeah, I've never worked in a tower without a, a, a uh, we call it a D-Bright, a tower display of really a, a replica of what's being displayed downstairs mm. uh, in the radar room. But uh, a lot of it relies on local knowledge, them knowing where the reporting points are, those VFR reporting points. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of juggling and making a mental picture and waiting until you get within range to actually see you with their eyeballs or, or binoculars. It's a different type of controller, different skill set, totally different skill set. I would struggle in that environment. Mm. Yeah, I rely it is really on hard order. to
2: see. It is really hard to see aircraft out the window sometimes. I mean, you guys know how it is when you're flying and they're like, Hey, a mile and a half traffic's a mile and a half. And you're like, I, I have no idea where
0: this guy is. Got him on the fish finder.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, sorry. Yeah. yeah how, you how do you guys
1: stand it? I don't know all the, all the stuff you hear. I don't know how. got
0: about the, I got about, I
2: got about four flight.
1: How do you have enough professionalism to not jab people that say things like that?
2: We just do it off frequency.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm sure that happens. So instead oh, of keying
2: it. up and say it, we just say, "Okay, maintain four flight separation." Then, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, the badger pilot would like to know: uh, Have you noticed that over time your iceberg has gotten bigger, and you can hold more penguins? <laughs>
3: For me, not with age. No, it's the opposite. My iceberg has melted <laughs> considerably. <laughs> it's, so, it's warming in it. My yeah. penguins are all relatively new penguins. <laughs> Some of it is ingrained and I won't forget it, but mm. if, for those of you who don't know, there's a AG has made an awesome penguin analogy with icebergs, the iceberg being his brain and penguins representing knowledge. There's a finite amount of space on this iceberg for penguins. And occasionally they have
0: to find employment elsewhere. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Um, David Moscardelli uh, says, if a pilot makes a mistake, does an apology mean anything to the controller? I busted a class Delta space after takeoff. I apologized.
2: Hmm. It. hmm. Unfortunately, in terms of the legality of it, our hands are pretty tied when it comes to that stuff. I mean, we got somebody, you know, uh, watching over our shoulder saying, "And well, did you do, you know, import that? Did you um, did you let the supervisor know? And, and I'm in just as much trouble for, like, trying to sweep it under the rug as as you are for going into a Delta. Um, I don't it definitely doesn't hurt. It definitely doesn't hurt. the The last thing you want to do is get bad if, is do the opposite thing. Um, but saying you're sorry uh, can go a long ways to diffusing. If the controller is upset, it can go a long ways to diffusing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's. I don't think it's a bad idea.
3: I, I agree. I think it shows awareness that there was a possible mistake made, and it may end right there.
0: Yeah. It's a human element too, right? We're all humans and yeah. Um, Stephen Caldwell uh, asks, um, he's a relatively low hour student pilot here at uh, Lewisburg, West Virginia, which is class D. I have low experience requesting clearance and flight following. Can I slash how do I request that information prior to take off in a class Delta? And I love this question because the answer is it depends. Uh, I have found complete inconsistency at Class Delta airports about how to do this. It just totally depends on the airport. What do you guys say? What's the what's the answer?
3: It wasn't until recently that we sort of discovered that through feedback, that it was uh, two different choices. There were some Class Delta controllers that had the ability to type in a flight plan in the NAS, which is really what you're doing if you initiate it on the ground. They're starting that information that we told you how to give in the air. They're doing that on the ground and having you depart on a squat code. Some facilities don't have that agreement with the underlying deltas and you have to get that from the approach controller. So for a Charlie, you are I, I would—I mean, I hate using the word always, but in a Charlie, you should always be able to get in the tower. That that should be standard. At a Delta, it may be 50-50 in the NAS. Uh, and we've heard from a lot of controllers that, hey, we can't do it. We don't have the ability to put you in the NAS. You, you're going to have to depart on a, on a 1200 code and ask for it from approach.
1: That's what we have to do, yeah.
0: Interesting. Let's keep rolling with some of these. We got a lot in, a lot in the queue here. Uh, Tim W says, "I got a number to call a few weeks ago. That makes me see. I'm uncomfortable just reading." We that.
1: need a, the crowd noise. The the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: it was Tower wanting to know if they were clear and if they could have said something better. Well, that's an interesting. That's a nice phone. I mean, that's that's about the best way that could have ended. I would
1: think. Mm, I hope. Can you put that? that question, can you put that question it. back up? Yeah. Tr- uh, tower, to- if they, no, he, he means if they, they said, were clear
0: with something they said not like cleared for something like if they were clear with their uh, instruction was clear or if they could have said something better okay
2: That's yeah interesting i hope they said when they when they said hey could you give us a call it's nothing bad we just want to talk about something because yeah if it was me flying i'm i would be dreading the whole rest of the flight. It's totally yeah. in your brain. You're all, you're mental, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hope the controllers weren't like, "We have a number, you know, for you to copy." <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: It's the relationship we need to talk equivalent.
3: Right, uh, Chris. Chris, <laughs> and up in the chat, I saw it. I kind of,
1: I think his question's a little
3: more complicated. He was asking if if they were clear with instructions for a circle to land, which. In a training environment, you know, we train in the tower all the time. Of course, most of our trainers are in the radar room now. But um, that phraseology can be messed up really easily. And maybe they wanted to make sure that what they said, it made sense to the controller, the way we, you know, told you circle left northeast of the airport and our right base for runway X. You know, that makes sense to controllers because we say it all the time. But maybe they were trying to clarify. Does it make sense to the pilot who's receiving this convoluted left turn, mm-hmm. right base, circling direction? It, it's it's kind of funny phraseology, and it can be messed up really easily. So I got think it. that's good that they called.
0: Um, sidebar because we mentioned ADSB a little bit ago and kind of mocking the like uh, got him on four flight and the kind of thing. What is your take? So one of the things that's kind of frustrating for me, and we see it. I mean. Um, so I'm at an untowered field here, which is still shocking to me in in 2022 that we still don't even require like um, radios um, at these in these aircraft that fly in and out of these fields, let alone you know ADSB out. I I have I was also fortunate to train in the time with an instructor who encouraged me, and I, I was going to have it anyway, but used a use an EFB from like the my first lesson because I was adamant about just for the safety factor of you know adsb traffic i just wanted one more tool um in terms of just safety of the airspace system in general um do you guys have any opinion this is not like your job opinions but like as per, as people opinions on how is it do you, i would like to see i wish i think radios frankly and adsb should be required in 100 of the national airspace system in every aircraft that's operating regardless of what it is do you have any opinions? What is ADS? I guess the bigger overarching question is for, from a controller standpoint, like, how has ADS be impacted your – just had to be somewhat significant, I would think, impacted kind of your um, your roles as controllers?
3: Yeah, that's a good one. It's delicate because telling a fleet of airplanes – because we're good in aviation and keeping things in the air for 100 years, right? Right. So adding these pieces of equipment has a cost to it, and there's implications to implying that everybody should have it. So the rules are set up where they don't have to have it everywhere, but in RH's perfect world, I will say everybody has radios and ADSB, but it was given to them. It, it's, it made itself onto the airplane and, and they didn't have to incur some ridiculous cost for an airplane that may not be worth yeah. putting that type of stuff in. That's yeah. my two cents to try to delicately get through that one. That's fair. <laughs>
2: It has made a huge impact. It has. um, The ability just uh, to be able to go get call signs, just that ability alone has been a huge help to us. Um, The increased coverage of um, being able to see folks on radar, places we couldn't see you before, um, places where we couldn't use, we had to increase separation because we're so far from the antenna and um, you were uh, like an occasional return. Sometimes we didn't get you, sometimes we did. Um, so in that like technical aspect of it, it's been a huge, I think it's been a huge help. Um, as far as radios go, we get in trouble for saying this all the time with other controllers, but we wish we were talking to everybody. I, I would much rather be talking to two people Two VFRs, you know, that are that are coming together and be able to tell both of them, like, hey, you go down 500 and you go up, and but when the other guy does, you don't know what he's doing. It's inevitable that as soon as you give an instruction to the one you are talking to, the other one turns the other way, and now what you know, it's you're constantly fighting. I don't know what this guy is doing. Other controllers are like, uh, we do not want to talk to everyone.
1: You know, no, 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 no. <laughs> I like Josh's question down here. Um, what is it? Are there significant regional differences in controllers like he has heard? Uh, Pennsylvania, New York, Massachusetts. And it seems like there's different norms between them.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you've been we all over the place in like, the King here.
2: Yeah. I haven't flown a lot in the Northeast, um, I've flown up there. Some, uh, it's, I don't know what the word is. It's maybe a little more high, strong in the Northeast, but I think that's just because of how cr- crowded it is in the finite amount of airspace they have it's sort of that scenario has just lended itself to that, I guess, mentality in air traffic. And it gets that way a little when you go to Florida, and you're like everybody's funneled in to this one spot, and it gets a little bit crazier there. But um, I feel like the far west you go, like in the middle of the country, it is. I feel like it's super laid back. I've flown all over the place in the in the middle of the country, and it is pretty laid back, My uh, experience including is the bigger same. places like Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas hmm. City uh, Center. I spent a couple months flying out there um, and they were always helpful. They're super nice. I mean, it was always laid back like and you never had to worry about because I was sort of in a student role at that time and you never really had to worry about getting stepped on or crunched on. like that.
0: We got about uh, 10 minutes left, so I'm going to throw out there one more time if you're in the chat with us uh, tonight, if you're uh, catching this later if you want to join us live we record every other wednesday nights at eight but if you're with us tonight get those questions uh in the chat now because we're uh quickly running out of time tim lean says uh are there some casual radio phrases you wish pilots would stop using here here it's got to be another one that you've you've heard a hundred times what so what, what are they what do we do that really makes you go like oh my god you guys are idiots it doesn't bother me. I don't.
3: Maybe we've said it kind of in a different tone on the show, depending on what was introduced to us. Like, hey, what do you think of this? But they don't bother us. It's sometimes, just yeah. yeah. I don't. I can't think of any ones that are specific. <laughs> we've had fun lately with with you. Yeah, it's been you, fun. Yeah. Uh, and I'm yeah. with you. You know that type of thing. Yeah. But um, <laughs> and we actually spent a little bit of time trying to f- help people fill in that desire to fill that weird awkwardness of all right i just checked in i just walked into their place I told them who i was i have to say something else <laughs> <laughs> i can't just say my name
1: so yeah what about the two and the four and all that i feel like i'm always trying to extract that and it's hard to do that but it seems like it could pose confusion two and the four Oh, you, you know, mean like uh, you know? I'm I'm whatever. Left down, left downwind for runway four. You know, for runway whatever.
3: Avoiding the words two and four for T W O and F O U R. Okay, yeah, I can yeah, see that. I mean, that I don't feel like that happens enough. At least for me, I don't hear it enough where it, it it presents itself as a challenge for me to interpret it. I think in a non-towered environment, when you're talking to other controllers, that's probably when you're going to hear the strangest things. Uh, other pilots because they're they're not talking to atc they're talking to another pilot and you've heard all sorts of ways to announce themselves and their turns and their positions in the pattern and it's a lot of it's just made up phraseology (laughs) Um, so you should probably try to avoid that in those places to make sure everybody understands where you're at but it doesn't bother me enough to even remember something like that a two or a four
1: i think for me it's also because where i train it's uh where i trained and where i fly out of it's runway. Two and runway two zero at John Toon Airport that people call Toon. So it's like Toon Airport, hmm. uh, you know, uh, two, yeah. two zero. Two, I'm taxiing to two zero, Toon. Tune, tune, like it's all this, like, uh, I, I, I say zero two and, and two zero for the runways, and people think that I'm just a nerd. So,
0: Somebody yeah. called me out on one of my videos. I, and I never caught myself doing this, but I had a bad habit. And when I'm like, if tower clears me, like if I'm, a, if I'm doing pattern work and they clear me land, I would say uh, uh, "Clear to land runway 2144 five to Lima the last three digits of my call sign like that mm. that instruction was for me and someone said you know that's a little confusing. you know it, it doesn't matter like our airport when I'm like the only person in the path, like it's not they know who I am but like I could see if you're in a busier space and you start like adding extra numbers and they're like wait who is that calling four five two you know like, could get a little confusing so mm. I'm trying to be more conscious of not saying like four and then my call sign but that was kind of interesting
2: um oh, Ben brought up a good point. Say no to Kilo. <laughs> um <laughs> when we're Have typing in that? a flight phone request. <laughs> the, the, we can't put K in. And so if you started typing and the, the pilot says we're going to Kilo, uh, Bravo Uniform Yankee, I'm like Kilo, Bravo Uniform. Uh oh uh-oh. Then I got a backspace. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. And type Somebody said so, something on the show no, say recently. No to kilo. Somebody presented us with information that there's been a software update that may allow us to do four letters, and that K may be taken. Oh, my God. And I said I would try it, and I haven't done it. I can't do it. In fact, I've taken the key. I've taken the Kilo key (laughs) out of my keyboard, and I only put it back in. (laughs) I'll only put it back in if it's in the aircraft call
0: sign. (laughs) That's good. Uh, Brian Weather says, as the only pilot slash controller in my facility, it seems like I've become the unofficial read designated pilot grievance taker. R H A G, do you find yourself in the same spot?
2: Uh we have a quite a few um other pilot. Well, we lost we just lost one. He moved to uh he moved down south, but um we we do have a few. Um I don't know. Not, not really. I mean, they will ask us questions sometimes like they, like they always, um, not too much. I end up preaching more than anything, I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to watch some of the things that are, you know, if, if you take the bottom 5% of performance in in the pilot side, it's hard not to, you know, unkey and say, what are they doing? You know, you're making it look bad for every other pilot out there. So, I, I know they they might come to us with questions, but I don't think they're using us as the sounding board to complain about pilots because I don't right. like we'll represent oh, every pilot in the ass. Right.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: God, and they don't need an uh, excuse. Some controllers don't need excuses <laughs> to complain.
1: <laughs> it's too bad. It's too bad you can't have an SOB list. There was this when I lived in New York City, there was this Chinese taco place of all things, and they had this giant wall. Uh, they didn't speak any English, but they had a big sign that sob list, and it was just all of the people that had wronged them, you know, for ordering things and not uh-huh. following through or or whatever. It was, <laughs> I kind of picture you guys having sob lists, uh, at least mentally, right?
3: I don't. I try not to remember if somebody upset me for some reason. I try to push it out of my head <laughs> because the likelihood of that pilot being the one who flies it in the next time is probably pretty low especially with flight schools.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Awesome. Um,
2: We do get to know call signs. um, I'm sure. We get to know the call signs and, and you, you sort of know um, who's willing to do what, who kind of, you know, you know, the call signs of who are student pilots, you know, the call signs of who can I slam dunk in front of somebody, you know um, you start to learn what you can get away with uh and then you and then you know they might get accustomed to that uh th- those guys and then uh, then you get a trainee that doesn't know anything about anything and so, so sometimes <laughs> if there's huge variation in the services they're receiving it is you know it can easily be something like that yeah
0: yeah clarksburg knows our three airplanes call signs and I, my favorite moment i i cracked myself up uh they were calling out traffic one of our other planes was coming into the pattern i was already in and they called them out to me they were on final and i was on downwind they said "You know, this airplane and i said yep uh five julian we've got the company we got the company Cessna in sight and they thought that was pretty funny but i thought so. <laughs> um well awesome um i really appreciate you guys uh taking time to join us tonight take take just a minute will you and um Remind everybody again uh, where they can find your podcast, how they can support what you guys are doing. Um, I know I'm a patron. I have been for a while, and you guys have a Patreon working over there, too. It's pretty cool. And uh, just uh, plug yourself for a minute.
3: And thank you, Chris, for supporting the show and having us on here. Get a chance to talk to some of your listeners. Uh, You can find us on all major podcast players. Uh, Search on any of them. We're we're available on those. Uh, If you want to go to our website, opposingbases.com. And if you're interested in supporting the show, patreon.com slash opposing basis we do have a youtube channel you can search you for opposing bases on youtube uh we don't put a ton on there uh our live stream recording is for for patrons every week but it's an unlisted link so um occasionally we'll put a video on there and i think coming up we're going to air venture in the second half of the week we're going up on thursday we're flying up a skyhawk from the flying club and if you guys want to meet us we'll be there thursday late and friday saturday
0: before we head home on Sunday, awesome. Well, it's been a good time. Thank you uh, to everyone for uh, tuning in. We won the live stream, had a great crowd tonight, lots of great uh, interaction. And uh, Brian, we'll see you next week, sir.
1: Yeah, thank you guys so much. It's been a blast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us.